Hey, you made it. There are so many things going on in the world today. You need to celebrate the fact that you took a moment to stop and listen to the word of God through this Heavenly Vision podcast. I'm sure God's going to speak to you in a way that will bless you. So let's get into it. My message today wants to encompass everyone in the room that believes God's not finished with you yet. So if, if you don't, you have nothing pulling you into your tomorrow, I hope to maybe put something on there for you today that gives you something pulling you into tomorrow. But I want to preach to people who feel like you have some unmet expectations, some things that God said he was going to do in your life that he hasn't done yet, some dreams that are unfulfilled, some places you want to go that you think God is going to call you or has called you into, but it doesn't seem like it's measuring up to what God said. Anybody ever walked through something that you knew God said something and it got to a point where it looked complete opposite of what God said it was going to look like in your life? And I want to preach to those seasons and those seats in this room right now that God wants something more. Do you believe God wants something more for your life? That the best is yet to come? I'm going to, I'm going to title this message, The Door to More. The Door to More, because I think there is an entryway. I, I think there is a place, a transition moment that you can, get, you can set yourself up for or that God sets you up for. There are certain dispositions of heart and mind and thinking that will actually lead you into the thing that God has for you. And if you don't take them on, you'll get stuck. And you'll be walking around in circles when you're supposed to be passing through doors. And God wants to move us from faith to faith and from glory to glory. And sometimes we get stuck at this level of faith because we won't do what it takes to birth a new level of faith that moves us into a new level of glory. And so I just want to push somebody today into a new level of faith that's going to produce a new level of glory, and God's going to show up big in your life, and that's what my hope is today. Now, now listen, I'm going to preach today. I had a mentor tell me one time, when you teach, you tell, and when you preach, you yell. So I'm going to yell while I tell what God wants me to tell in this place today, right? So when I yell, I don't mean to get angry face, but sometimes my brow drops and I get real intense and I'm not mad at anybody. I'm just yelling. <coughs> I want to treat. I want to talk about the door to more. Would you turn with me to Genesis chapter 37? I'm so glad to have my family here with me today. I've got my beautiful wife and children here. We've got friends here with us today. My mother and father-in-law are here with us today. Come on. Can you give it up for the, for the front row on this side of the church? Just so grateful that they're all able to be here with us on this little vacation that we were able to take and come be with you guys. It, it wasn't so hard to leave Ohio when there's snow falling even now. Yeah, devil is a liar. Genesis chapter 37, verse 3 and 4. We're going we're gonna to jump into the life of a man named Joseph who comes from a lineage of blessing from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And then Jacob has 12 sons. At our point of reading, he only has 11 sons. If you want to stand, you can stand for the reading of the word. Jacob only has, uh, or, uh, uh, Jacob at this point has 11 son, uh, uh, 10 sons. No, excuse me, 11 sons. He will have 12 sons. Benjamin is not born yet. And Joseph kind of takes center stage in the story. And then I want, I want to wrap some things around his life that I think will help us understand how we go through life in unexpected ways, but God still gets the glory in the end. 
I said that God still gets the glory in the end. He will still do what he said he was going to do. You know he is who he says he is. You do know that, right? And he can do what he says he's going to do. And so we want to get on a journey to go there. And here's what it says. We're going to pick up that life. Now, Israel, that's Jacob. If you're new to scriptures, Jacob and Israel are synonymous. God changed Jacob's name to Israel using the word Israel here. Now, Israel loved Joseph, or Jacob loved Joseph, more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made an ornament robe, a Louis Vuitton, dropped a Louis Vuitton on his back for him when his brother saw that the father loved him more than them they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him the door to more father i thank you for the opportunity to be with these great people today i thank you that you're here you are in this place we feel you you're moving on hearts already i pray lord that you would take us on a journey and unfold something in our lives help us to see you more clearly in the next 40 to 45 minutes that we get some revelation into our own lives of what you've been doing, what you are doing, and what you're going to do. And Lord, we surrender these moments to you and ask you to come now and do what only you can do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, this story, this idea of Joseph, I, when I think of this, I always go back to Sunday school. How many of you were in Sunday school when you were raised in Sunday school and and how many of you ever remember the flannel graph? Anybody remember a flannel graph? It was a, it was a felt board, and you had little characters you stuck on it. And if your church was like mine, it was so poor, it only had one character that represented every character in the Bible. And if you were like me, you'd ask your teacher, like, hey, wasn't that Jonah like a couple weeks ago? And wasn't that David the week before that? And now you're using him as Joseph. And so they take all the seaweed off of Jonah, and they stick on a Louis Vuitton, you know, and, and that, that, that'd be Joseph for you. And, and, and that's the story. There's this favored boy that comes out all flashy and 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 he's just brilliant he comes into the story and 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 we we pick up the story in this moment and we we are realizing that there's an issue there's an issue in the story and it's much like how the bible brings us into all stories it usually brings us into the story with an issue because you know you got issues in your life i've got issues in my life our families have issues and the family issue here is an issue of favoritism there's there's an issue of someone being looked over And, and as it is with favoritism someone always feels rejected when favoritism shows up on the scene and rejection is surrounding the story and and I know about you but there's been a lot of times in life where I feel like I've been rejected I have not lived up to someone's expectations I don't know what I did but for some reason I got measured lower than someone else for whatever it was there maybe it was on my part maybe it was on their part but there's an issue of favoritism that rises up and the the crazy thing is it didn't start in this generation it started in the previous generation because Jacob had a twin brother named Esau and their father Isaac favored Esau over Jacob now, the Bible tells us that Esau, his name actually means hairy. So he's, he's a hairy baby. He's a bearded baby. He's an overgrown man baby. You know what I'm talking about? Just grow up all muscular, just bigger. Just He's a man of the earth. He likes to hunt. He wants to kill. He's a savage. He's just a beast out there. And so his dad's always hunting with him. And Jacob wasn't, wasn't such a beast. He wasn't so savage. He, he didn't have the calluses that Esau had. Probably because he stayed at home knitting. 
and cooking while watching HGTV with his mom. So something, something going on. He was a little softer. I ain't hating on him. I like HGTV. Nothing wrong with that. But he was a little softer than his brother. So his dad liked Esau, liked Harry Baby, over him. And this did something to Jacob uh, when, when, when he saw his brother receiving the affirmation from his father. He felt rejection from his father. And rejection always creates striving in our lives. You will always push harder once you feel rejected. You will strive to earn the affection of other people. And eventually you'll become somebody you were never intended to be. Because the fact is, in the absence of affirmation, people seek approval. When you don't feel affirmed in your life, when you don't feel like you're measuring up, you will always seek approval from other people and you will try to live in a way that is outside of who you really are. Matter of fact, Jacob did this so much so that he put hair on his arms to go before his dad. He tried to act like he was his brother. He was so dejected. He was so pushed off. He felt so rejected in life that he literally tried to become somebody else for a minute, to walk into something that he didn't have. Now, I know you've never, done, you've never put hair on your arms to try and be somebody else, but you'd be surprised at how much rejection piles up in your life. And if you don't watch it, it will make you somebody you were never intended to be. You will start playing a role trying to live out something that you were never supposed to live out. And I promise you, God can't bless a fake you. God, God can't bless a you you pretending to be if you're trying to be somebody else. The person that God wants to bless is you. And if you're seeking the blessing of a man's hand and you try and change who you are to become that person, you will always fall short of the blessing that God has for your life. I think this is so important because this starts the journey in our lives and how we measure up in this moment determines how we're going to enter through and what door we're going to enter through in our lives and in our future. And Jacob went so far that he lost his identity because his father was showing favorites. And, and we pick up our story now. And now Jacob is the one who was insufficient at one point in his life. He was the one who was the victim of favoritism, but now he's the inflictor of favoritism. And he picks Joseph and gives him a special coat. It passed from generation to generation. If you're taking notes, you've got to write this down. Hurt is either healed or it's handed down. It passes from generation to generation. And if, if you don't let the hurt in your life get healed, you will hand down hurt to the next generation. You will pass on something that will affect them and it will mess them up for a really long time. Let me tell you, it's not your responsibility for what gets handed to you, but you are responsible for what you hand on to somebody else. You've got to watch how you process the pain in your life because if you store it up in rejection, you will pass it on and inflict pain in other people's lives. You're saying, well, I don't have kids to pass it on to. I promise you, you're passing it off somewhere. If you don't let the, he the healing take place in your life, you will pass it off because hurt either gets redeemed or it gets repeated. Hurt either gets redeemed or it gets repeated, and if it gets repeated, it gets a whole lot worse. See, when it was Jacob and Esau, it was just one-to-one. -one. It was one brother who felt favored and the other brother who felt rejected. But when Jacob passes it on to Joseph, it's one against ten. It's one brother who gets uh, the blessing and ten brothers who gets rejected. Just one generation of a herd that didn't get healed multiplied that thing ten times. 
And if you don't watch what you're handing off, you've got to hand off healing. Don't hand off hurt into others' lives. And here's the great news. If pain can be passed on, then multiplication of blessing can be passed on as well. You can reverse that thing by letting God begin to heal the pain in your life and the rejection in your life. So you're passing on blessing. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, the way they passed on blessing was by laying on of hands. By passing it on, they, they would put their right hand on and they would pass on the blessing. And you've got to posture yourself in a way where you take the hurt that came your way. You're not responsible for the hurt that came your way. But you are responsible for what you put your hand on into somebody else. And you've got to let God heal the hurt because what doesn't get redeemed get repeated. But if you want to pass on blessing, let God heal the hurt in your life so you can pass on blessing to the next generation. I'm just getting started. I'm just getting started. I'm already sweating. It's going to be like Shamu. You need a parka in the first three rows here. Fat guy preaching up here. Going to sweat all over the place. So, 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 so watch this. It says, Joseph then had a dream. So he didn't just have a coat. He had a dream. Don't you hate people that just have it all? Like, why do you have to have a coat and a dream? Why couldn't he have the coat and I have the dream? It's like pastor. Why does he get to be able to preach so good and sing so good? It's just not, it's just, he got up here and sing. I thought, why can't I do that, God? Why, why you got to hold out on me? So he doesn't just have a coat, he has a dream. And Joseph had a dream. He told his brothers, wrong thing to do. And they hated him all the more. And he said to them, hey, guys, listen, 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 all, all attention here. I had a dream. I was binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf stood up. And all y'all sheaves bowed down before me. He's like, yeah, come on, isn't that, isn't that awesome? That's something to celebrate right there. He's like, dance part, like bam, 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 bam. Right? Like, this is amazing. I'm going to rise up. Y'all going to bow down. And they're like, hold up. Run. Jingle, it's the bell. Jay to his eyes as he leaves the cut. To his eyes, a surprise. DMC, what's up? Too early? Too early? Two nineties? What happened? What happened? I thought I was in my element. <laughs> I said, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule over us? See, even... Even the blessing of God gets twisted when healing is not brought into hurtful situations. You can't let other people be blessed when you're so hurt. And so he says, are you going to reign over us? Will you actually rule over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what God had said. What he said that God said. So, so, so here's two things. you got to get this. you got to get this. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going between preaching and teaching. So just hang on with me here in a second. Two things you got to understand. I found that people who don't have a vision for their destiny generally hate people who do. People who don't know what God's doing in their life hate it when people figure out what God is doing in their lives. They can't handle the fact that you've actually found what God said he wants to do, and they can't worship with you because there's such healing and rejection in their own lives, or hurt and rejection in their own lives. They, they can't possibly believe that God's doing something in your life. But, but the second thing I think is greater, that I, the implication I get out of this, and that is this. God gives you a glimpse of your destination, not so that you can be exalted, but so that you have the strength to endure. 
It wasn't to make you bigger. It wasn't to make you puff up. It was because you have no idea what's coming that's going to produce that thing in your life that God said he was going to do. And sometimes the pain is so great that in the beginning, God has to give you a glimpse so you can walk through the mess you're about to walk through. And there'll still be something there pulling you through all the pain so that you can get to the other side. And you can remind yourself, didn't God say he was going to do this? Because Joseph was going to go through some difficult times. And sometimes the glimpse is not for declaration or proclamation. Sometimes it's for just meditation. Sometimes you've just got to be able to ponder it in your own heart. I mean, Mary didn't walk around after she found out she was going to have the Messiah. Be like, I got a Messiah bump going on. I'm baking a Savior up in here. Like the Savior of the world, the one you all been waiting for, he's right here. Like get a Messiah t-shirt, arrows pointing to her belly button. She wasn't like, oh, your kid's special, but my kid is more special. You don't get it? My kid can walk on water. No, really, we were bathing him last night. He stood up and walked on water. It's crazy. And you know what she did? The Bible says she pondered these things in her heart because she didn't even understand them. She couldn't fathom. But you know what she needed it for? Because once he was born into that honor and shame culture, and she was such a young girl telling people, the Holy Spirit got me pregnant. And this bastard child that she was now going to bear, this mamzer, and all the pain that was going to come across her life and the rejection she was going to feel, she needed to know that that was the Messiah of the world, that she was going to carry something so great so that she knew all the while while everybody was talking about her behind her back and friends and family were leaving her left and right and she was the joke of the town that she was carrying something and she was moving forward and she was raising something up that was going to benefit the whole world. She needed that glimpse so she could endure, not so she could get puffed up. Am I making sense to anybody in the house? And so Isaac, listen, Israel said to Joseph, you know your brothers are grazing their flocks at Shechem. Come, I am going to send you to them. Now, now, now listen, you got to understand, if this was me, I would have pulled the favoritism card. I'm the favorite in my family. My parents love me more than my siblings. They're not here to say amen, but they were. They'd say amen in their heart. I know they would. And I'd pull the favorite card. I'd be like, I'd be like, Mom, you don't understand. Like, if I'm Joseph, I'd be like, you don't, you, you, Judah kicked me. Do you understand? Judah kicked me the other day. What do you, I don't want to go out and help them. They hurt me. They hate me. Dan, Dan laughs at me all the time. Like, Zebulun, you don't know he is a punk, straight up punk always messing with me I'm not going to help them and that's not at all what he doesn't even second guess when the father asks him to go to his brothers his says very well very well because the doorway listen to me you got to get this the doorway to more in your life is being willing and obedient to do anything the father says he lived with such an obedient heart towards his father. He didn't even second guess. He didn't argue with his dad. He didn't say, I don't want to go. He lived with such obedience to his father. This is why his setup was so great. This is why God was going to open a door for him. Because he had obedience in his heart. No matter what the father asked me, if I like it or if I don't, I'm going to say yes to everything that he says. 
And if you don't live with a willing yes in your heart to anything that God says he wants to do in your life, you'll never get to where God wants you to go. Can I tell you something? When Joseph leaves the house on this day, he's never coming back. He had no idea that one yes was going to take him into 13 years of rejection. He didn't know that the last time he looked into his dad's eyes at that moment, he wasn't going to see him for 13 more years. He had no idea the last time he walked off the, 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 the lot where he lived for all of his life to this point that he was never, ever coming back to that place ever again. But he had such a willingness in his heart that that yes took him into the favor of God through the door he never expected to have to go through. <coughs> Ultimately, he was supposed to end up in Egypt. He was going to be leading, and we know this part of the story. He was going to be leading second in command. In, in, in the, at that time, the largest and most powerful nation in the world that had ever existed to that point in time. He was going to be second in command. He had no idea. See, a lot of us think that's, that's all we can see. And if I walk through this, yes, that better come quickly. And a lot of us never get there because all we can see is the grandeur. And if we can't walk from here into there immediately, we are so weak with a handful of no's. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to go somewhere with this. I hope you're, hope you're getting it. Here, here's, here's the point I'm trying to make with all this. Favor follows faithfulness. I know this ain't sexy, but favor follows faithfulness. The door that opened to an extraordinary opportunity was an act of ordinary obedience. See, if you don't measure your life just obeying God every single day, you won't know when that one act of obedience is actually setting you up for the door that's leading you to your next thing that God wants to do. And we keep waiting for bigger doors, and God puts smaller doors in front of us called obedience. Daily obedience. Can you just do what I'm asking you to do today? Can, can you just, this thing I have before you right now, can you just walk through that door? I know you got to humble yourself to get through it. I know people aren't opening doors for you yet. Joseph was going to go to Egypt, and he would never open another door again. God would put people there to open doors for him. And that's what we want now, but God said you'll never get there until you can get down here and go through these small doors of obedience. Maybe you're stuck because you didn't fulfill the last thing God asked you to do. I love preaching here. You all make me want to preach for an hour, I ain't going to lie. This 40-minute message just got to an hour and a half. They're awesome. I'm going to bottle you up and take you home. Here's what Jesus said if you'll be, in Luke 16. If you'll be faithful with the small things, I'll trust you. And I'll put big things in your lap because I know you'll be faithful to those as well. You, you didn't realize that God was watching you even this morning for how you were treating your kids. How you handled that conflict with your wife. You didn't, you didn't realize on Friday at work when you had that opportunity to backstab somebody, God was looking, are you going to be obedient here on a Friday afternoon when you have an opportunity to do something maybe nobody will ever know about, but you know that God knows what's going on. God wants to know, can you humble yourself here so that I can set you up for bigger doors that are going to lead you to better things in your life? Can you serve now? Uh, 
So much to talk about, so little time. Hey, let, let me fast forward the story for you real quick because I'm not even to the message yet, sadly. He gets uh, sold into slavery, and many of you might know the story, but just for those of you that don't, I want to just give you the background quickly. His brothers, he goes out to his brothers in the field, and they hate him, and they said, let's kill him. And so they're, they're going to kill him, but the one brother, Judah, speaks up and says, let's not kill him, because that's not really their intention. They just feel rejected that something's missing in their life. They wanted something tangible to hold on to as well, and it shows up because Judah says, let's not kill him, let's sell him so we can have something for it. Because that's the true intention of every one of your haters. They're hating on you because there's something deficient in their life that they never received. And they hate that you're receiving that in your life. And so they want to punish you because they think in somehow doing that, they want to receive something that makes them feel better about themselves. And so they don't kill him. They sell him into slavery. They put him in a pit. And then they take his Louis Vuitton. Is, is that Louis Vuitton right there? Is that close? Is that close? They take his Louis Vuitton. They kill a goat. They dip it in blood. And they sell him off to a band of slave traders who takes him over to Potiphar's house. And you've you got to see this. You've got to see this. He has favorite home, and then his favor falls. But now he gets sold off into Potiphar's house, and he has favor at Potiphar's house. Because favor follows faithfulness. And as long as you're faithful in every season, favor will keep popping up. And so he has favor at Potiphar's house. But then all of a sudden, Potiphar's wife thinks he's hot. And so she pulls on his coat and says, come lie with me. And he says, I won't dishonor God that way, and I'm not going to dishonor your husband. So he tries to run, and she pulls his coat, and she screams, help me, help me. Joseph has tried to rape me, and now he's being slandered. And now the whole area is coming after him. And so he had favor at home, and it fell. He had favor at Potiphar's house, and it fell. And he gets thrown into prison, but he has favor in prison. And so he's a, he's a dream interpreter. God uses him to interpret a couple dreams, and he's got favor down there. And, and, and these guys are going to get out. And he said, remember me whenever you get out. And they said, oh, of course, we'll remember you. And they forget him. And he had favor at home, and it fell. And he had favor at Potiphar's, and it fell. And he had favor in prison, and it fell. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. God will change the method so you don't mistake the resource for the source. God will use different things in your life so you don't realize it's not that person or that situation that is exalting me. God is always the source of everything in my life. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness. Now the shadow of turning it all comes from God. God is the source. And I'm going to tell you what, you'll miss every door to more in your life if you're holding on to resources. And not believing God to be the source. Here's what you got to understand. If it came from man, it can be taken away. But if it came from God, it'll always be there. It'll remain in every season. You can take my coat, but you can't have my blessing. My coat came from man, but my blessing came from God. 
Come on. This joy that I have. See, if I could sing, I'd sing like pastor. The world didn't give it, and the world can't take it away. This peace that I have, the world didn't give it, and the world can't take it away. I could be in house, or I could be in a pit, and I still have joy. I could be in Potiphar's house, or I could be in a prison, and I still have peace. Because it all comes from God, who is the source of every good thing. Oh, man, you... Don't get me started with that right there. I'm going to go all in. Mm. Why? Hey! Oh. Oh. You're going to make me hurt myself. I already got pain right here, just shooting up my side. <laughs> okay, give me a minute. Give me a minute. <laughs> God is the source. And I think sometimes we get hung up on a resource, and God will always remove the resource to prove to you He is the source. Now listen, now listen, I want to tell you, I want to tell you something. Uh, let, let me speak something real quick, and, and then we'll have some fun. But listen, so I, 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 was, I was coming out of 2018, and I, I, I got a book. And the book said that you need, to, you need to ask God for one word to cover your next year. So like, if God's leading my life, I want to stay under his covering so give me a word that will keep me under your covering for the whole year. And so it was, it was trying to defeat the idea of, of, of creating uh, New Year's resolutions that you all know we break by January 3rd. Come on. And it was one word that was going to cover you. And so I asked God. I had our whole executive team. I bought them the book. And I said, hey, guys, let's ask God to carry us through this next year and ask God what he's going to say in your life. And so I, I prayed. And God literally just spoke one word. And he said health. And I thought, oh, God's calling me fat. I was, I, was, uh, I was hoping he didn't say it loud enough that Charlotte could hear it as well. And so he said health. And I thought, okay. So I, so I started thinking health. I told our executive team my words health. And one said there's this transformation. Another one. And so we passed around what our words were to keep it accountable. And I, I created this chart because that's what I do. Five areas that I wanted to be healthy in. And seven points for how I was going to be healthy in each one of those areas. And, and I, created, I had no idea that when God spoke that to me in February, just a month ago, that we would find out that my wife, Charlotte, was diagnosed with breast cancer. And so I'm walking into this season, and God, what God is saying is, I've got, you don't know what's about to come your way, but I've got a word that's going to cover you when you find out. I just want you to know you're already covered with this word of health, and I'm going to be your health in this next season. I got you, so you can hold on to this when you have nothing else to hold on to, because everything else is only a resource, but I am the source to cover you. Now listen, he's already done it. So, so we go, we go, we go and we get... We go and we get. Come on, you know God. You know God is faithful. You know God is able. You know there's nothing impossible for God to do. 
So give me a minute. Give me a minute. Let me, let me, let me get this out. Let me get this out. There's more of the story. So, so we get in there. And we're talking with all the team of doctors, and they're saying what they're going to do. And she does; she she is going to have to have a double mastectomy and immediate reconstruction. But they said, "Listen, we caught it so early that, it's, there's, that at this point, there's not going to be chemo or radiation involved in any of this." And God has held back because, listen, if it's raining, it could have been a tsunami. If it's snowing, it could have been a blizzard. But the hand of God will step in and say, "It can only go this far and no further," because I've got you covered and so so listen 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 so so we're sitting with this team of people and, and some of them are talking to us about our, our what the medical bills are going to be and the lady says i've looked over your insurance and here's some good news. A hundred percent of everything you're going to go through is going to be covered. They're not going to pay a dime for anything that's going on. And then after I got done shouting in the hospital, my mind went back to the last summer in 2018 when God with Charlotte had been applying for three years for different teaching positions and every door was shutting in her face. But last summer, God gave her a word and said, be still and know that I am God. And by the end of summer, Green Local Schools, the school she wanted to be in, called her for a job she didn't even apply for and she got the job which gave us the insurance that we didn't have that was going to cover the thing we didn't know was coming. Because when God does it, when God is in control, you can take my coat, but you can't have my blessing because God knows his favor, his favor follows faithfulness. Come on, look at somebody say, won't he do it? Come on, just look at somebody next to you and say, won't he do it? He's a faithful God. He's a faithful God. He knows right where you are right now. He knows what's coming ahead of you. He knows what you need before you ever even knew you needed it. You just got to stay faithful, walking every step of obedience. And at one point, the door's going to fly open, and you're going to realize there was no doctor. It wasn't the insurance. All that was just a resource. The source was God, and he brought every bit of it into our lives. Listen, listen, listen. I'm going to preach a couple more points. And then I want to pray for you. Here's what it says, Genesis Genesis 37. I'm going to jump back in the story real quick. Just give me just a second. We're going somewhere. We go back into the story and it says, and then they got Joseph's robe. They took his Louis. They slaughtered a goat. They dipped the robe in blood. They took the ornament robe back to their father and said, we found this. Examine it and see whether this robe is your son's robe. He immediately recognized it and said, this is my son's robe. Now watch. Some ferocious animals have devoured him. 
Joseph had surely been torn to pieces. And then Jacob tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him and refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will continue to mourn until I join my son in the grave. So his father wept for him. Listen, I I started picturing this, and in some kind of way, I just know, because he knew ferocious animals were out there. That's what he said immediately. It must have been ferocious animals. And so he said, I can, I can, as soon as he saw it, I, I can guarantee you this went through his mind. I knew there were ferocious animals out there. And I sent him alone. This is my fault. God is not pleased with me. I have done something wrong. See, when you've been the victim of rejection, you place that on God as well. And you think when trouble comes into your life, God must be rejecting you. And there's so many people under the sound of my voice, you are sitting stuck in the middle of a tragedy because you have taken the rejection of man and put it on God. And you think God doesn't know where you are and what you're going through, and certainly God couldn't do anything with this mess that's in your life right now. What glory could come out of this mess that I'm in? What could possibly be good about where I am? Let me me, me tell you something. Regret is a pain that will grieve you to the grave if you don't find grace for it. Regret is a pain. There's so many people that live with so much regret. It's my fault he walked out. It's my fault that she did that. If I wouldn't have done this, if I would have done this, and we live in so much pain and pressure over regret that it will become our grave if we don't find God's grace over it. If you can't locate God's grace in your life right now, you're living with too much regret. Because his grace is always upon you. His mercies are new every single morning. If you came here punishing yourself, that is not God punishing you if you're living through a dreaded season right now if you have a diagnosis of fear on you that is not from god come on he gives you love peace and a sound mind his grace is chasing you down mercy will follow you everywhere that you go you just need to stop for a minute in this service and say hold on i've been living under too much regret and i've been living under too much shame this is not god's plan for my life and i'll never walk through the door that god has for me until i find grace over this regret this grave that I'm living in. And then I love this. And this is where I'm going to hang my hat. And then it goes on to say, meanwhile. Everybody say, meanwhile. 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 That's going to make sense here in a second. The Midianites sold Joseph into Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. <laughs> when this story started, he was in Shechem, which was a thousand miles away from Egypt. There was no way he had the resource to get to where he needed to go. God had to use these opportunities to bring him into. Now he's in, he's in Pharaoh's house, which the Bible says is there, he's, in, he's in Potiphar's house, who is Pharaoh's official, the captain of the guard. He thinks, how did I get here? And God says here was always in the plan. I've watched you the whole way. God works all things together for the good 
of those who are called according to his purpose. Listen, and it sets it up with a, with a meanwhile. And I, 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 got to, I got to talk about this. This is a little bit outside of my zone, but I remembered uh, in school, in English class, the idea of storytelling, of narratives, and the importance of the point of view within the story. If you have a first-person point of view, that's the person telling the story. They're the protagonist, and everything is either happening to them or happening through them. And all they can see is what's happening to them or what's happening through them. They only know what they know. Then there's second-person point of view, and that is first-person uses words like I, me, as first-person pronouns. And then there's second-person point of view where they use you, your, yours, and they're telling a story to you or about you using you, you, or yours. And then there's third-person point of view. This is somebody who's outside of the story who's not in it at all and uses pronouns like he, she, it, they, them, theirs. And then there's third-person limited point of view. Hang on for a second. They're outside of the story. They're not in it. But they only know certain aspects about certain parts of the story. But there's a final place called third person omniscient point of view. This is outside and above the story. But they're aware of everything that's going on in the story. Every character. Every thought they're thinking. Every point of the plot. They know it all. And in third person omniscient point of view, you use words like... Meanwhile, (laughs) because meanwhile means while something's happening over here, something else is going on over here. (laughs) Meanwhile means I know in your first person point of view, you only know what's happening to you, but I know what's happening around you. And I know how to move you into this thing you didn't even know was coming. Meanwhile. Jacob is crying, tearing his clothes, feeling like he lost everything. Meanwhile, who knew there was a meanwhile? I'll tell you who it was, an omniscient third-person point of view author who knows the end from the beginning and who can take everything in your life and make it make sense. God always has a meanwhile, even in the middle of your greatest mistakes and your biggest regrets. God's always working something else out that he's going to bring you into that will make sense to where you've been every step of the way. Meanwhile. Meanwhile. Look at your neighbor and say, Meanwhile. I know you can't see past the pain of what's happening in your life right now. But meanwhile, I know the moment we got the diagnosis, there were tears. But meanwhile, I know you may be going through the greatest, hardest, most difficult thing in your life. But meanwhile, you, you got this. Here, 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 look, let, me, let me show you. And I'm, I'm going to close. I'm going to close. This is the expected. I got it up here too. This is the expected. Show, show me the expected plan, expected path that we think we're going to take. This is the expected path. He gets the word of the pasture, and he thinks he's going to go straight to the palace. I don't know about you, but that's what I expect God to do in my life. Just like He said it, bam, I'm in it. Like, like sheaves are bound down, I'm standing next to Pharaoh. Like that, that's the expected path. Let me, let, me, let me show you the experienced path. It starts in the pasture, 
And then his brothers beat him down into a pit, take his Louis, kill a goat, dip his Louis in blood, sell him to thugs. He ends up in a foreign country with a guy named Potiphar. Doesn't know. Gets lied on, slandered. Name gets drugged through the mud. Called a rapist. Thrown into prison. Wait, wait, wait. God, that was a pretty short glimpse you gave me of those she's bound down. Maybe I, I, I didn't see the pit. I didn't see the lies. I didn't see the slander. I didn't feel the pain when you said that. I didn't know there was going to be prison involved. I didn't know I'd be that forsaken. I didn't know that no one would stand beside me. I had no idea it was going to be this lonely. Meanwhile, I I didn't realize there was so much between the pasture and the palace. Here's here's what I got to tell somebody. Sometimes the path takes you longer than you expected because the plan is ultimately going to take you further than you imagined. You couldn't understand the palace. It was going to be bigger than you can imagine. He just thought it was going to be his ten brothers bowing down. He didn't know it was going to be all the nations of the world coming to him to beg him of his favor. He didn't know he was going to be in control of the destiny of thousands and millions of people. When he first got it, he just thought it was in his family. He didn't know God was setting up something this big. Look at your neighbor and say, it's bigger than you realize. And sometimes the path takes you longer than you expected because the plan takes you further than you imagined. (laughs) Here's the deal. Sometimes the detour is the door to more. You've been cursing the detour. But the detour was actually God's door to more in your life. Let me tell you, don't curse your present season. Because the mess you're going through right now might be the miracle you walk into tomorrow. You don't know what God's doing meanwhile. You don't know how God's going to use all of this that you're going through right now to bring you into. Sometimes the detour is the door to the next thing that God wants to do in your life. And you just have to remain faithful in obedience. So what's next? I hate detours. I hate detours. When, I, when, I, when I'm driving, this is me. I, I'm going somewhere. I pull out Waze. I use the Waze app. And I punch in where I'm going. And Waze will tell me, not because I need directions. I always know where I'm going. Let's just get that straight. But I like, to, I like Waze to tell me how long they think it's going to take me to get there. And they'll tell me it's going to take you four hours and 57 minutes. And I say, I'll get there in four hours and 27 minutes. I'll show you. And then the race is on. I'm competitive with everything, even a computer. And my whole journey is about getting there faster than what they said I could get there in. And so when a detour comes, oh, I hate detours. Because that doesn't only mean I'm not going to get there faster. I'm probably going to get there later than I expected. And then my whole world turns upside down. And I'm going to stop at every 7-Eleven. I'm going to grab me a Twinkie and Coke just to punish myself 
for not making what I thought I was going to make. Right? But here's, here's what you got to understand. Something I've learned about detours. The detour doesn't change the destination. It may delay it. I may get depressed about it. But it can't deny the destination. If, if, you're, if you're heading to San Diego and you jump on I-5 and then you hit a detour down there around Orange, South Orange County, you don't go, oh, snap, now we're going to end up in Arizona. Well, I guess we don't get to go to San Diego anymore. We're, we're going to end up in Texas now. The detour doesn't change the destination. It just delays it and takes a little longer than you thought. Listen, God's word cannot be denied. If he spoke something over your life, there may be a detour, but the detour can't deny it. It may delay it, but it can't deny it. Why do we self-sabotage whenever we hit a detour and act like God doesn't know what he's doing? And now this detour has come. I'm never going to get to where God said I was going to get to. Can I just tell somebody, if, you, if, you, if you've hit a detour, God knows where you are. And the detour didn't change the destination. God's still taking you there. And you need to understand the detour just might be the door that gets you to where God wants you to go. Father, I pray over every person in this place right now who feels like they're never going to walk into something greater in their life. For people who are in a detour season, they don't know why they're over here when they thought they were going to be over there. They didn't know there was so much between the pasture and the palace. They didn't expect the pit. They didn't know people would do this to them. They didn't expect there was this much pain in the process. There are people living under the sound of my voice with so much regret, God. So much self-sabotage. Forfeiting what you have for them because a detour came. Because a word came back. A coat came back with blood on it. Something they feel like they're responsible for. Something they wish they never would have done. And they feel like because they did it, everything is gone. God of grace and mercy, would you fill this house right now? I speak over every wounded spirit. Every person who suffered rejection. And feels so, so wounded by the fact that they couldn't appease somebody. They weren't approved of. They were pushed aside. The brokenness in their heart. God, I pray right now that you'd come by with favor. That you would raise them up and lift them to a new place. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would come in power and strength. Let the grace of God fill every heart that's in this room now. In Jesus' name. I hope you were blessed by that word. Now, as you go back to doing whatever you need to do, remember this, God loves you and we love you too. Let's stay connected. Visit us at hvcla.com.